Suarez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland and Arsenal podcast. Yes, that's right. We haven't retired. We haven't given up. We are actually doing a podcast. I just want to make this clear. This is no fault of myself or Danny's. Because I've been telling Danny for the longest time to fire the rest of them, get rid of them, doesn't need them, like get rid of them because Chris is still crying that um, France didn't win the World Cup. (laughs) Josh is still busy doing ginger stuff. Ellis is still busy putting plasters on people. And John is still being a lover of men and women because he doesn't discriminate. Um, so, you know, I just said, Danny, I'm here. And Femi is, Femi has found some new uh, riches because one minute he's shopping in Burberry, the next minute he's jetting off uh, all over the world. So, again, I'm just saying, Femi has some Pablo Escobar money doing 419. I don't know. I'm, I don't know what he's doing, but he has money now. So he doesn't care about us. However, I do. I care about you. Dear listener, I want to talk about Arsenal, laugh a bit about France, you know, and it, it's just brilliant. So, further ado, um, we have the man, the myth, the legend, who's always here because it's his podcast, Danny the GFP. Uh, Happy New Year to you, Danny. When can we stop saying Happy New Year to people? Like, what date? I only say it to Sean and Sean's mum and my mum, and that's it. And then I say it for one day. And if anybody says Merry New Year and Happy Christmas, I chin them. So uh, there you um, go. Uh, okay. there people, people still do it. People are still saying Merry Christmas. Behave yourselves. No, it's a bit too far. Get a grip. No, a bit too far. And also with us, we have Canada's third best export after, obviously, Jeff and maple syrup, obviously. Uh, it's Stan the Man. Stan, how are you? Well, I don't have any money, but I do care. And I'm very glad to be here with the with the two of you. And <laughs> happy new year to everyone. Uh fifteen minutes notice. I was still like getting the sleep out of my eye when Danny texted me, so I had to jump out of bed and do the three S's. Shit shower show. Because I forgot you um you, you don't you're not in the group anymore. Not for any reasons other than it's just a load of old nonsense. And so you had fifteen minutes notice and we're here. Josh had a day and a half's notice and then still couldn't make it, Cal. <laughs> The less said, the better. Like, it's just bad. Right, we have a hell of a lot to talk about. So we are going to briefly talk about the West Ham game and also the Brighton game. Um, so we'll just go back, I guess, to the um, West Ham game. And I'll come to you, Stan. I mean, how much was it How much was it a blessing to have finally the Arsenal back after the World Cup break? Because for me, I missed Arsenal. I missed like, seeing them run out into the onto the Emirates. I missed the atmosphere. I missed everything, like everyone talking about Arsenal. Because as much as I love the World Cup, um, you know, Arsenal to bread and butter of football. So when the t- when you finally, finally got the chance to see the Arsenal run out, how did you feel? 
Well, for the month of uh, November, during all of that World Cup business, I was treading water, Carl, because I don't really watch a lot of international football. It's just something that doesn't really tickle me. I saw one and a half matches throughout the whole of the World Cup, and that was enough for me. So I kind of been treading water, waiting for Arsenal to come back. So having them come back is fantastic. And obviously it was a bit worrying because, you know, we had a gap that we've never had before at this part of the season? Would the team come back sluggish? Would everybody be pointing their fingers and laughing at us and saying it was all a big fluke when we fell off at uh, West Ham? But that didn't happen, did it? We kept the march going. I mean, no. I mean, I was a little bit worried, I'll be honest with you, um, with the news of Gabriel Jesus being out. Yeah. It was a case of, you know, could Nketiah lead the line? Could he, you know, he wasn't going to be a direct replacement for... Um, Gabriel Jesus because I don't think anyone can do what Gabriel Jesus does and hit him and Nketiah I think are totally different players anyway they may play in the same position but I think what they do on the football pitch is totally totally different and you know it was it was brilliant to see um, you know first of all the Arsenal playing and we kind of what I kind of like is that we still kept our core nucleus um, you know the, the team that started against West Ham mm. was basically the team that started almost every single game barring Nketia. so it's really good to see everyone back you know we didn't have that um, apart from uh, Gabriel we didn't have many injuries so you know it was really good to see everyone back and obviously getting Saka and Martellini on the scoring sheet and also you know Nketia getting his goal which I think is I think is a brilliant booster for him because if he was doubting himself, the fact that he got a goal against West Ham surely would kind of give him a little boost. And coming from behind as well, I mean, when we went behind, um, Stan, did you kind of worry a little bit or did you was you just calm thinking, we've got this and we're going to uh, carry on and get another goal? Well, just before I answer that question, just on what you touched there about the, the Gabriel Jesus uh, getting injured, when, when we got that news that he was going to be out for a period of time, I noticed that there were a lot of people on social media discussing it and, you know, a lot of people saying we should buy this player, we should buy that player, or we should look internally and move this player into that position. You know, and I was of the opinion that, well, no, we can't hide Eddie. We can't pretend he doesn't exist. We've given him a very big contract for this moment. He's waiting for this moment. If if there's an injury or a suspension, he has to play. We can't pretend he doesn't exist. So I'm really pleased for him that he's coming and hit the ground running because I would rather know sooner rather than later whether he has the adequate attributes to come in and cover rather than hiding him away and then finding out a few months down the road that he isn't up to the job. So I'm glad he's coming in and... um, and hit the ground running. But as for going behind in the West Ham game, it didn't bother me at all. This team has had a, a quality now for a while where if we go behind or we have a, or we face a problem within a, within a match, they seem to have enough of the wearable between them to find a way out of it. Whereas if you go back a season, two seasons ago, we were a team that if we went down, that was it for that week. It was like, okay, lads, we're not going to dig out of this one. Let's just get through the rest of the game and we'll try our stuff again in the next match and perhaps we'll get a result then. But they don't do that now. Heads don't drop. There's a way out of it. They find a way out of it together. And invariably, as we've seen this season, we end up on the successful side of the result. I mean, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, Danny, after you you finished your 14th Royce Potato uh, on Boxing Day and you got up and watching the game. I mean, I'm I'm kind of with Stan. Even when we went 1-0 down, I wasn't worried. And that is a newfound 
thing for I think all Arsenal fans because yeah. I think because West Ham scored in that 26 minute, I think I think it was a 26 minute. Um, I thought we knew we had so much time left in the game that there was going to we was going to create chances because we was on top anyway. I just thought it was only a matter of time before we put one of them away. Yeah, I was. I did a tweet at half-time saying Eddie's looking rubbish. I don't know why he's playing him. We need to buy somebody. And at the end of the game, I thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I went back to him. I forgot to send it. So I deleted it and pretended it never happened. So I didn't actually <laughs> send the tweet, luckily. Uh, but then the way we were playing, you could see that we're definitely going to... Something was going to happen. West Ham had come there not to play football. West Ham are knackered with David Moyes. He's one of the most boring managers in football, playing defensive, boring football. And it reminded me a little bit of England with Rice in the midfield, not really doing much, uh, trying to nullify the entire game. And the, and with Fabianski in goal, Flappianski, as we shall refer to him like in the good old days, you always know that there's an error in him, that if, if you just start peppering him with shots, as we found out, you spank it hard enough, he's not going to be able to keep hold of it. And I think they thought that AR 1-0, uh, the old, like you're saying, Carl, it's the old Arsenal way. They don't like it up them. Get stuck in, <laughs> get a goal, shut up shop, Arsenal lose 1-0 at home, which has happened so many times in the past, not just against West Ham, home and away, a bit of a bogey team, but with the likes against Southampton and uh, and Brighton, and as we're going to come on to later, we are steamrolling all of these sides. We were worried that after the World Cup, I mean, that that, that the, to try and continue the, uh, the the forward momentum that we had before the World Cup, and we come back, and we are better now than we were before the World Cup. Seven <laughs> goals in two games, Brighton are a really, really good side. They lost because Josh, season ticket holder, couldn't be bothered to go. Like he doesn't, can't be bothered to come on the podcast. I don't know what he was doing. Of course, he's never a Brighton fan. I'd take his season ticket off him, Carl. But we are, we are playing better. We are playing more attacking football. And Eddie, as much as uh, everyone knows, I've been championing Eddie right from the early days when he, when we used to do um, scores on the doors and we go through the ladies, the youths, and all that lot. And then I've been saying, this bloke is going to be something special. And then he's in the England end to 21s, banging in the goals, breaking records. And then he can't quite do it when he comes on as a sub. But just like last season, Cole, once he starts games, 12 starts, 12 goals, which is misleading because he had all those other sub games. But if he comes on as a sub, he can't do it. Apart from that game, was it against Norwich a couple of seasons ago? Maybe in the League Cup, came on as a sub, banged in a couple of goals. But Cole... How how does he do this? How is he so ineffective coming on as a sub, but when he starts, he's our fox in the box, isn't he? I think it's timing as well. I mean, I, do you remember in um, the All or Nothing documentary where he kind of said, I'm sure he was, um, do you remember he was sitting around the table, I think it was Nakonga, and he was saying, like, I think Nakonga was upset that he wasn't starting games or playing. And I think Eddie looked at him and said, do you think you're the only one that's... Um, upset that you're not starting games because look at me I'm not starting games but it's still the positive attitude and I think you know there's only so much you can do in the last 10 minutes of a game um, you know if you look at yeah he's had all these sub appearances but how long he's actually been on the pitch he's only been on the pitch I don't know what 10 minutes 7 minutes and that's not enough to, to do anything when you're starting games I mean you know, we, we'll go back to the, do you remember the Chelsea game when we beat them um, not this season last season because um, we beat Chelsea so much, I have to sort of reiterate um, which game it is. But um, he was brilliant in that game. And that showed the glimpse of what he can do when he starts games. 
And I think yeah, everyone was worried because they compared him to, oh, he hasn't scored in this amount of games, but he's only played 10 minutes. Give him a run like in the team and I think he'll do stuff. I'm, listen, I'm not comparing him to Gabriel Jesus because I don't think there's a person that can do what Gabriel Jesus does. And, you know, even Gabriel Jesus wasn't scoring goals um, when he was in the team at Arsenal. Yeah, he was creating and causing a nuisance with defenders, but he wasn't scoring goals. Eddie is now scoring goals. And like you said, um, I think you, you captured there, Danny, the fox in the box. And uh, we'll talk about the Brighton goal um, that he scored in a minute. But, you know, Eddie and Ketio is someone I think is a confidence player. You know, once he gets a run in the team and he gets a little confidence and he knows that he can score, and I think that's what Arteta will say to him, back your talent. I know what you can do. I, tr- I truly know what you can do for this football club. And if you just believe in yourself, you can go out there and you can get goals for us. And at the end of the day, I think it's a case of you are our starting striker right now. You are the man right now. So if you believe in what you can do, you can go out there and score goals. Because I'm not saying that Eddie's going to go and get 20 goals this season. Now, is it really? Can he? Yes, he can. Will he? Maybe not. But at the end of the day, he's still scoring goals for us. Uh, he's the man for us. And when he's got, a, I think, the supporting cast around him, the likes of the Saka, Martellini, and um, when you've got Odegaard playing balls in, like, um, that's ridiculous. You've got Partey in the middle of the midfield. You've got Xhaka, who's going to be the man up there with you as well, because Jack is getting forward as well. Like, you don't have to worry about anything else. I'm sure Arteta's telling him, if you get in that box, we'll get the ball to you and we will create chances for you. Whether teams want to defend deep or defend high, you know, he's got the, the tactical now to try and be that fox in the box. And he's also got the pace to run in behind as well. So for me, I think we just need to believe in Eddie. And even if he does miss a few chances, let's not all get on his back and say, oh, we shit, we need to buy... Vlaovic or whoever is the flavour of the month um, this month I think we just need to remember that Gabriel Jesus is going to come back and Eddie Nketiah has got a big contract for a reason and we just need to back him like completely that's what I think at least anyway what do you think Stan? Um, I, I might rock the boat a little bit here because I disagree with quite a lot of what you had to say there about Eddie I'm kind of of the opinion, you know, when people say, oh, we're only getting seven minutes here or 10 minutes there. I think that if you look closely enough, that it's that that's actually disguised. He's had 20 minutes, he's had a 35 minutes, there's lots of 15 minutes is in there. You have a player like Emil Smith-Rowe, who also has featured when he's in the squad off the bench, yet he comes onto the pitch and you get you get something from him, whether it's an assist or a goal. So when the, this the, the, the thing about Eddie um, talking about, well, I just need to start, I, I think to myself, well, you need to be better than that because you might have to take your opportunities from the bench. You're not always going to be able to get what it is that you want in this Arsenal squad. And we kind of talk about Eddie. And when I hear people sort of talking about Eddie the person, it's almost like they're describing this young kid who's recently just come from the academy and is yet to turn sort of like 18 years old. But he's a, he's only a year away from Gabriel Jesus in age. He's almost 25 He's nowhere near the England team. But I have to say, people listening to this saying, wow, doesn't stand like Eddie. Of course, I love him. He's one of our own. There's nothing more than what I want than one of our strikers to come through the academy and be a, a, you know, something, someone that we've invested in all of the way. And I'm really glad that in the last couple of games that he's had his starts, he has scored two goals. But I do think that he has whined a little bit. 
comes to across to me a little bit as a Goldilocks player. You know, the porridge can't be too hot. The porridge can't be too cold. Eddie needs the, the porridge to be just right for everything to to work for him. And he's going to have to get over that if he wants to be successful in this Arsenal team. But if he continues to score goals, I'm not one of these that says, well, as soon as Gabriel Jesus is better, he has to go straight back into the team. That also needs to be earned. And if, if if Eddie's able to chisel a place for himself into the team and continue to hit the ground running as he does, then he stays in as far as I'm concerned. And it's up to Gabriel Jesus to earn and work his way back into the squad or wait for a moment when Eddie's form does suffer so that he can then step in and take up that mantle. But again, I know that we're all here and the us Arsenal fans are having this big, big hug at the moment because things are going right. And I don't want to sound like a party pooper on, on, on Eddie, but I've never felt convinced by him in the past. I've always felt that it was a project that we should have maybe have given up on some time ago. But as I say before I finish this little piece, I'm really pleased for him at the moment. And I really hope he just marches on and keeps banging those goals away. And it would not make me happier if he could solidify himself in this in the starting lineup. I think with um, with Mikel Arteta, he sees. I mean, there's a lot of projects that I guess with Arsenal we could have given up on. One being Mikel Arteta when he was in that run, and I think I uh, as was a lot, a lot of people was calling for his head. I I definitely one of those people who was saying it was time to go. You know, but I think it, patience is a virtue, and and I see. I'm proud of what he's doing and Mikel Teta has obviously seen something that we never saw in him, even from when he was on loan at Leeds and he came back to um, to Arsenal because Mikel Teta saw something in him. And I don't think anybody thinks that, you know, he's going to be our starting striker, number nine, even when, everybody, when everybody's fit, um, you know, this Gabriel is going to be our number one. He has been um, definitely... Is he a good backup striker? I think he is. I think he's, well, he's proven he is at the moment. I mean, you know, no matter what Arsenal do, people will say, oh, it's only, you know, who we know. When we played Brentford and we beat Brentford, it's only Brentford. Well, Brentford are beating Man United, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, and draw with Tottenham as, as well. So, you know, how many times can you say it's only who until Arsenal play them? But, mm. you know, like you said, things are going well at the moment. And as long as they go well, you know, it will continue. I think when there's a little hiccup, um, hopefully there's not one coming, but if there ever is a little hiccup, I don't want people to, you know, jump on him and say, oh, no, I told you. Because mm -hmm. you know what happened? It will be like February the 1st when the window's closed, we'll play whoever. Eddie may have a stinker and then that'll be it. People say, I knew we should have bought a striker. I knew it. Like, we shouldn't have wasted money on whoever or blah, blah, blah. Like, so... You know, as, as as long as Eddie keeps doing what he's doing against West Ham and against Brighton, you know, long may it continue. Yeah, and I think with Arsenal fans, I think they're a bit smart now, even though, you know, if a striker doesn't score in every single game, I think Arsenal fans are a bit smart now to be able to see that, you know, is the guy just being lazy and not good enough? Or are they doing other things which are contributing to the wins of the team? So as long as that's happening, I don't think that, you know, fans are going to jump on anybody's back as long as they see the work ethic is still being applied. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's bought um, himself some time, though, because if we'd have said before, um, knowing that he's going to come in, we said, right, he's going to be playing against West Ham, he's going to be playing against Brighton, he's going to be playing probably up front for the next 10 games. 
and we'd have looked at that and gone, how many goals do we want from 10 games? Well, if he, how many would um, Jesus have got? We know there's more to Jesus' game than just goals. But for the next 10 games from Jesus, we'd have gone, realistically, he's going to score four goals, maybe three. So Eddie's got two in two. Eddie can now go the next five games and go, well, I've, I've got two in seven. And I think that is going to be a, a problem because whereas Jesus does all that other stuff, Eddie doesn't. Eddie has his, his body language for me is, is is not that of someone who's full of confidence. It's almost like when you've told a, a teenage kid to go and tidy their room. Oh, Miss Patterson, <laughs> I have to. And his arms are down by his side. But he, he I, I'm not sure if he's got his own self-confidence, his own self-belief, because we can all see it in him. You don't break the record for England under-21 goal scoring. You don't do what he did for the under-17s, under the under-18s, under-20, blah, blah, all that lot for Arsenal. We know he's that good. Arteta has, has shown that he knows a player when he sees one. Arteta knows he's that good. But I honestly don't think Eddie has the self-belief to go. When, when Wrighty would play, Wrighty knows he's going to score. He'll be in the right position. He'll do everything right. I don't think Eddie's got that. And, and like one of you was saying, he's nearly, he's almost, it's almost the same age as Martinelli and, and Saka and, and all of that lot. And he, this is his chance because if he doesn't grab this, then he's, he, he's going to be replaced. And he has grabbed it. He's got two goals in two games. He can't fault him. But his, his movement and his body language is a little bit concerns me a bit but if he's scoring goals what does it matter and one of you i think it was stan made the point that um that he has played lots of minutes and it's been quite deceiving his minutes per goal and and contributions per goal which is something they all like now that a goal and an assist is apparently the same thing as a contribution no it's not but a lot of that he has been out played out wide and to, to be fair to him but like Stan, I really don't think Eddie is going to be the the backup player, the the man to come in. And uh, if he's going to if he's going to start fifteen games a season and then come on as a sub in another twenty five or thirty, I don't think you're going to get more than ten goals a season out of him. But oh, I hope I'm wrong because, like like Stan said, nearly called you Fran. Then, like Stan says, he's one of our own. He's same as Saka, same as Smith Rowe. He's one of our own that's come through, and it's a it's a beautiful thing to see. No, I have to agree, and uh, I want to stay on Saka and then come on to um, the Brighton game. Um, what was it, 68 seconds into the Brighton game, <laughs> Saka opened up uh, the goal scoring. The thing is, I didn't even turn on, I would literally was um, driving home from work, and oh, I no, just got Christmas. home. Yeah, literally, and I just got home, <laughs> and I sort of turned on, and I heard ch- the crowd cheering. I was like, for God's sake, and it's only when I turned, I saw Saka celebrating. I was like, oh, that was a bit quick. Like, Danny, the man, the boy, I don't know what, man, boy, whatever you want to call him. I call him a man because he's... phenom. He's just, isn't he just brilliant? Like, Saka, like, can you believe that we have this player? I don't understand how people don't rate him. I mean, I know it's Twitter, and you, you know, you can't believe Twitter at all. Someone did a whole diatribe of five tweets explaining why, why, why he wasn't any good. Good, then maybe nobody else will want him and we can keep him. Good, continue Uh, doing that. And I'll just be treated, fuck off you moron. (laughs) Like, he is so good, isn't he, Danny? And the fact that he's only, got 21 and he's not even in his prime yet. Like, just how good can this guy be? 
I was talking to Sean's mum, who, who growing up was a Spurs fan because her mum and dad and both her sisters, I never really liked football. And then we started um, uh, seeing each other in 1996. What a time to become an Arsenal fan. She started going and liked it. And I'm an Arsenal fan now. Sean's an Arsenal fan. And they're both more interested in it now than they usually are because uh, some of uh, Sean's friends that she knows and boys that she knows, they find out that she's an Arsenal fan. She knows the players. She said, I've been to see them play at, at the Emirates, at Highbury, at Barnet, at Peterborough, at quite a few places. And so they, when they're here, we are, they're, I was on Boxing Day, I was watching the game. I had it here with them and, and Sean's mum's going, just how good is Saka? Uh, this could be a topic we can cover later, but... I said, if you get how Saka's what twenty-one years, three months, nine days, six hours, and four minutes, if you get every other Arsenal player in the history of their career at that exact moment in their life, how many were better than him? I don't think there's many. I mean, it's hard to compare the likes of Tony Adams, who's a shout, of uh, Anelka, who's a shout, of Henri. They're they're different players. Mm. And maybe the only one I can come up with who is a like for like is David Rowcastle. And apart from that, that's it. So I said, that is how good he is. And if, if you're marking, if this was um, like I'm doing, I'm doing a, an ABWFC save for Football Manager 23. And I've gone and got all these gentlemen's names, um, dates of birth and foot and position. And it's, it's going to be a thing of beauty. It's taken me forever. And mm-hmm. there's a rating in there, potential. Every, you're all starting at a potential of 10, and it goes up to 200. Now, Saka, at the moment, is one of the best players in the Premier League, and his potential it, it could be 200, which is the best you ever beat. Ronaldo, 200. Messi, 200. Um, all of these players, 200. It makes me wonder, what is he at now? I would say he's not even at 100 out of his potential of what, 170, 180? I doubt he's going to be the, the greatest player in the world. But there's so much more to come from him. I just look at it. And uh, and also, if you go to the Highbury squad and listen to the latest show they did with uh, John Harkes, Warren Barton, and the lady, the English lady who's a Crystal Palace supporter. Oh, I've forgotten her name. I did a tweet earlier saying it. Go and listen to that. And she, and she's she's English, but she works for the media over there. And she says Saka thanked her for the questions that he asked her. And then Saka went up to Henri and said, would you mind if I have your autograph or a photo or something? I think it was a photo. And this is a Crystal Palace fan. And they're all going, this kid is something else. Not only is he magnificent, but he is such a down-to-earth. His parents uh, should get a knighthood. For how they brought this man up, didn't I? Don't know, Cole. Did, did he get something like eleven O levels, all at, at um, A star grade or something like that? I'm sure there was. I read about this years ago. He seems to be the perfect human being, the perfect player. He's already one of England's best players. And you look at the number of goals that he scored for England. You, I was going to go and get a list of all the players that have played for England. Their careers are done, and they still haven't played, got as many goals as he has. And he's only just beginning at 21. You just look at it and you go, this is unreal. How good he is, how good he's going to be. And he's not an arsehole, arsehole, Carl, which is what makes me even happier. We know Martinelli's going to go to Barcelona or Real Madrid two, three years' time. I think Saka, our star boy, is going to be there forever. And if he is, the next 20 years, we are going to do so much with him. Because everyone's going to want to come to Arsenal and play with him. And... Make, makes me do, just makes me moist, girl. 
I'm sure it does, Danny. There's a nice little monologue about him. I think you're right, um, because even during the World Cup and all the other um, players that play for England, they were all saying just how nice Sakharis and they've done that, this interview and there was like, oh, what guy would you want to date your sister? And every single one of them said Saka because he's such a nice person. And, um, you know, the, he's humble. And I think, you know, he was obviously brought up correctly and he's just um, a really nice person. And you can see in him that he's just a, a really humble human being. And he's just nice. And what, again, made me laugh is that during um, the World Cup, uh, England fans were getting annoyed that Saka was getting kicked all over the place and not getting free kicks. And I'm like, this is Arsenal week in, week out. We complain Hello. about this Welcome all to the our time. World. <laughs> we complain about this all the time, but you don't see it. None of you saw like it before he started playing for Palace England. One. I don't get it. Even um, when he got, uh, was it Southampton? When he got booked for diving and it wasn't a dive. And like, just like things like that. And you just think to yourself, this is what happens like week in, week out. We complain, we, we mention it. And people say we complain about it. It's just it is what it is. But um, yeah, and getting the protection from referees that Harry Kane does as one of England's best players. Didn't wasn't it at the weekend? He got fouled six times. Nothing was given against him, and then he got booked for was it diving or, or time wasting or something like that. Um, not that it wasn't the West Ham game, the Brighton game. He, he ended up getting booked in the fifty fourth minute. Anything? What did he do that needed booking? Well, like you're saying, everyone's kicking and, and 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 shoving him and fouling him. And it looks look at the um look at when he was the, the Crystal Palace player tried to break his leg deliberately. Nothing gets done about it. The FA need to look at this and go, wow, this is the player along with Bellingham that has got the most potential as a as a future England star that we can build the England squad around those two. They've even got he's even got me following England again. But they won't because we're Arsenal and they hate us. They do. Uh, um, Stan, I'm going to talk about the Brighton game. Um, in Martinelli and Saka, am I not? Am I not allowed to? Am I not allowed to wax lyrical about how good Saka is? God, Stan, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> because going back to that West Ham game, when I said to you earlier, when you asked me, you know, when we went one 0 down, how did I feel? Was I worried? The, the indicator was that offside goal before that, right? And it ended with Saka putting the ball, ball in the back of the net. It was offside, but if you saw the build-up to that goal, I was like, yeah, we're on it today. And watching Arsenal at the moment, especially with a player like uh, Saka on the side, it's a bit like watching an early Mike, early, you know, the, when Mike Tyson was in his prime. You had to make sure that you was in your seat and ready to watch before the first bell went. Because if you took your time faffing around somewhere in the kitchen, getting a, getting a cup of tea, by the time you came into the front room, it was over. And the opposition to Mike Tyson was lying on the canvas looking up at the lights. And that's what it's like with Arsenal People now. You have, to be, back, didn't they? you have to be in your seat before the whistle goes because the games now, we start fast and furious. We don't take a time to, to ease into a game. We're straight out of the blocks and a goal could come within the first few minutes. So you have to be alert and watching from the beginning or you miss all the good stuff I have to agree that he is the, the, the man He's is fantastic. so good and you know I'm you know we're still and, and I I, my, my also say as well just before I forget sorry I, I wrote it down here because I wanted to remember I wrote P in a big letter on my pad and that's because I think that a lot of credit has to go to his parents 
his family, uh, his family support unit around him because, you know, everyone's been talking about what a nice character is. And even I was saying to my missus, we don't have any kids, right? But if I had a daughter and she came home with uh, Saka, oh, mate, I'd be like, I'd be so pleased, right? That's obviously got to be big credit down to his parents for bringing up a well-rounded lad in the way that he is. 100%, you know, it's even living in London, young black boy, you know, your life can go two ways. And obviously, you know, he had football, got sure. a support unit around him and just, just absolutely brilliant. Um, and, you know, we're still, I guess... I saw on Twitter today, and whether it can be believed, that we've um, extended his contract by a year. We've um, done this um, one-year extension, um, the same we've done with Martinelli, or will do with Martinelli, I believe, and the same that we've done with Saliba. Um, so, you know, we've got him for another, I guess, 18 months. Danny, how important, Stan, sorry, um, how important is it that we actually get him to sign a long-term contract with Arsenal? Well, he's, he, he's going to become one of the faces of the club because he's been with the club for so long. You know, he's a product. You know, he's a product of what Arsenal can do uh, for your for your child if you let them come to us to learn how to play football. So it's imperative that we are able to keep him as long as we can. And I actually think that if we get to get into if if Arsenal gets to the stage where we become a winning club again where we're in the title hunts, we get into the Champions League and we go far out of the group stages, then we might have an environment where the good players that we have won't want to leave and it will be then a, a good way for us to encourage even more quality players to come into the club who want to play with players like Martinelli, uh, Saka, Thomas Partey, Martin Odegaard. You know, that they, they, they know that they've got a short, uh, short up defence behind them and a goalkeeper that's competent. So, you know, when we say things like, oh, you know, Martinelli could be up to Barcelona, off to Barcelona or Real Madrid in a few seasons. If we become a winning team, maybe players from Barcelona and Real Madrid will want to come to Arsenal to play with Martinelli. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, you know, Barcelona could be uh, playing in the Spanish third tier because uh, they've got no more levers to pull. So hopefully, yeah, we can go and get their players because that club... Um, I, do you know what? Of all the clubs I hate in football... Obviously, you've got Tottenham. Obviously, you've got Spurs. Sorry, you've got Tottenham, you've got Man United. Barcelona has to be up there. I hate that club with an absolute passion. Like, I don't Champions know... League final, I just could never watch that again. I don't, I'll I've never, I'll never I'll never forgive them for that again. I'll never forgive them for that. I hope the club falls to pieces. I've seen that final once, and that was in from the stadium. I, I, and I will never watch it again. I've never watched it again. I can't watch it again. I, I mean, I was there as well. I hate them for that. I hate them for stealing over Mars. I hate them for stealing yeah. uh, Petit, Van Kleb, Vermaelen, Kleb. Yep. <laughs> you know, those those are the reasons why I hate Barcelona. Song. Um, oh, well, when he played for us at that point, he was kind of good, wasn't he? But he went yeah, there song. and did absolutely nothing. But um, yeah, I hope Barcelona absolutely capitulate and have all their players leave for it's a matter free. of time because I think it must have oh. got a look in you know so far this season whatever's going on at Barcelona must have gotten worse because Frankie de Jong who they were trying to Man United were literally begging to leave and he kept refusing them now he's on the phone to them saying is there any more room at the inn so I mean you know, he doesn't want to leave because he hasn't got his money is he he's, they still owe him like 20 million or something yeah, in deferred wages pounds, I think it is in deferred wages so 
Yeah, he's not leaving at all. And even our, um, our old Hector is leaving Barcelona, isn't he? He went to go back home. Another one like Fabregas went there, and then he went, no, he's, he's leaving again. They're, they're trying to get rid of him to uh, uh, Juventus, a swap deal for the um, who's the uh, Rabio, a swap deal with, uh, in, involving Rabio because they, they don't want Hector anymore, and uh, that's sad. Well, Rafinha, right? How long has he been there? Five minutes. Yeah, they he, want to get rid he, of him. He, he's available. could have been at Arsenal this season but you know chose not to Um, sat at the top of of the league speaking of wingers I'll I'll stick with you you, Stan do we have the two best wingers in the Premier League in Martinelli and Saka well yeah at the moment on form for sure I mean I mean I would say that you know in the grand scheme of things Martinelli does have a bit more to learn until you can say that he's on a level of a Mohamed Salah, but right here and right now, these guys are the informed guys. If if you see where I'm coming from, still got a lot to learn, but they're informed and, and long may it continue. I mean, all three of our our forwards in two games all contributing with goals. I mean, that that has got to frighten any goalkeeper and defence that's coming up to face Arsenal, you know, until the end of the season, because there's danger coming from everywhere. We don't rely on on on, on a cyborg you know, as, as they do up at Man City to provide all of the goals. They can pop up from anywhere. And even if they don't pop up from the front from the front three, we've got midfielders that can share with the goals. We've even got defenders like Gabriel Megalegs, who's like scoring goals for fun when he wants to as well. So, fantastic. And it's not just even our uh, forwards. Danny, how good was that pass from Odegaard um, <laughs> to Martinelli against Brighton? Because... I was I was in my front room and I saw that ball and I was like, oh! Even before Martinelli had scored it, that I was purring just at the pass. Like it was a thing of beauty, wasn't it, Danny? Uh, we often claim that um, Haaland is a is a robot. Uh, well, I think you can make those claims here now because he didn't even look. I mean, it's 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 clever enough when you do a no look pass or a, a no look through ball or something like that. But when you do a no look pass three quarters of the length of the field and the player has or you know like ants they're they're all communicating somehow like cats the cats don't talk for a reason they're all communicating via the ether and i think that is now um if you if you play for arsenal you get taught the way of of the arteta jedi master and uh, they sent out the signal saying martinelli off you go son give it three seconds run and he did it and in even if you watch that in slow motion you would not figure out how they did that that has got to be one of the all-time greatest passes in modern premier league football the way that he did it the power that he did it the length that it, of distance that he did it at the accuracy and the placement of knowing when to run and because he had somebody with him i mean that's the thing you got to look at he had a man with him and he got it so past the man huh and he's Tariq Lamptey, and Tariq Lamptey ain't slow in the slightest. No, I, I, I still think that pass that he done in the West Ham game, which fell to you know, it fell to uh, Saka, and he took that shot. I'm still on on Arsenal fan circle. I still claim that that was a pass and not just a, a misplaced shot. That was a slide rule pass aimed at Saka, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's just brilliant. Even um, Partey, Partey in that game was amazing, and I think it's because. Maybe Partey didn't get an assist, or maybe because Partey didn't score a goal, he's not really seen like what he does goes under the radar. 
But, you know, if you're talking about first assist and second assist, Partey's there cutting out the ball, even for the first goal, um, getting the, the tackling, cutting out the ball and uh, getting the pass uh, so second can have a shot. I mean, even him, like, I know this, um, he came off during um, the Brighton game and is a bit worried about his, uh, I think it's his knee that he's having a scan on. So we don't know what is going to happen to him tomorrow, um, whether he's going to play or not against Newcastle. But even him, Danny, isn't he just party at the moment? Him and Sackers, them two in the centre midfield, just absolutely brilliant together. I'm. Uh, they are indeed. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tweak the nipples of the, of the YouTube gods, and I'm gonna share something with you. Don't really tell anyone I'm doing this. Let's see if we get away with it. Uh, I'm looking for a window. I'm looking for this, and I'm looking to share. Can we all see this? Yes. Mm. Right, you can see Odegaard in the middle of the field there, and then uh, Xhaka's just giving him the ball from um, over in this corner over here by the Unibet thing. Xhaka's just put it into the middle of the field, and Odegaard doesn't even get time to touch the ball. And then look at that. That's all I'm going to show because that will get us in trouble. That wasn't a, oh, I'm running with the ball and I'm looking up. That was, he's facing Xhaka. He's gonna the ball's gonna come to him, and in one touch, he's gonna go from facing um Jacker to kicking the ball all the way down the field to his right without even looking properly. That I, be, I believe they call that vision on the Filth Avon puts absolutely is. It was yeah, it was just it was brilliant. And I know a lot of people whenever you play And he was blindfolded field, when he did that pass as well, so <laughs> <laughs> to make it even more, like, <laughs> on <I'm> like, right. <laughs> um, Stan, whenever people play in that sort of number ten position, you're always going to get compared to you know the likes of Özil. Um, I'm so glad you brought because... it up, and I didn't have to. Yeah, I've he's going to get compared, to... isn't he? Like, to... And and you know the comparisons are there. Of course, they are um, because they're a, a similar sort of player. But I, I think. Not just because of this season, I think that Odegaard's work rate is much more than Ozil's. Yes. Um, we, we, you know, we saw the laboured body language with Ozil and we all saw the stats that, oh, he runs the furthest. But when you're just running and you're not making a run to get the ball or you're, you know, you can make your stats look better than Stat they are. But yeah, but I, I you know, Ozil... Don't let's not take nothing away. Urzel's passing was phenomenal. It really was. You know, he was um brilliant. If it wasn't for the French lamppost, um, he would have broken the assist record in 2014, was it? Um but even but how long into his career? We all admit that Ozil was brilliant for his first three seasons, but when did the I'm not playing away games start to come in? Do you know he's gone to he was at Fenerbahce last season, fell out with those like he fell out with Arsenal, like he fell out with Germany. He's now gone to another team in Turkey. He's played ten minutes of one game all season. He's getting on now, and that's the thing now. He just he's getting on now, and you know, I don't want to make this about Ozil, but um you know, like we were saying, Stan, like the comparisons between Ozil and Odegaard are there. Of course they are. Now we're going to, you can't look at one without looking at the other. Um, what do you think are the main differences between Ozil and Odegaard? Well, for, for one, you'll see Martin Odegaard popping up in the defence and helping out, you know, when, when we're under the cosh a little bit and maybe there's pressure on us, 
he's not he's not afraid to to run back actually run back and help out in that department as well and not just waiting for the ball to come to him so that he can make those good no look passes he has for me he has a more a more rounded game than Ozil did when he came for us he's he's scoring goals he's doing the passing and he's also doing um, some you know the hard yards and doing the defending i think he's i think he's superb when i knew that we were signing martin odegaard uh, it, when we signed him on loan, I thought to myself, I know that name. Where do I know this guy from? So I went and done a little bit of research and I found um, this documentary of Martin Odegaard. They've been filming this this guy since he was a small kid, like filming him and talking about him since he was like documenting him because they knew how good he was going to be. And you watch this documentary, it's on YouTube somewhere. And every coach that he's worked with, even from a very small age, will just tell you how good he is, how hard he works, how he's always able to play with ages above him. You know, when he's an eight-year-old, he was playing with like 11-year-olds, for example. He's always been ahead of his time. And for us to have picked him up for 35 million is, is, is a steal, man. That is an absolute steal. I mean, we basically paid the same money that we paid for T-Bag, right? Uh, Fabio Vieira has around about the same <laughs> amount of money. <laughs> And as much as I love T-Bag as well, he's a little bit further away from Odegaard. So we either got a really, really good fee for him or Edu was able to somehow pull the wool over Madrid's eyes and get that get that price. But for me, I think he's what you would call a generational talent. He is really going to stand out and I believe that he is only going to get better because he just makes it all look so effortless. I agree. Mm -hmm. I think the people that are random as well, I think they compliment him as well. Him and Saka, um, brilliant. I think he's the sort of player that if you give him runners, he'll you know he'll find you. He's one of the ones where just run and he will find you. Um, and I my one wish is my one little wish would be if I could do anything, I would make him and um, ML Smith Rowe switch shirt numbers, just for my ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I've seen today uh, also that um, Smith Rowe is back in training, which is obviously good for Arsenal. Um, whether I don't think he'll probably be anywhere near the, the squad tomorrow, but you know I think it's good that we're starting to get everyone back and um, getting players fit. So when we do need you know players and coming into to the thick end of the season, they're there. And I, I'm I'm a person that. I really hope that Smith Rowe does get a, a little run in the team. You know, he's had bad luck with injuries and I hope this injury is like the last big one that he has and he, he comes back and fit and we've taken our time with him. We haven't rushed him back. So he's got all the, you know, the the work that he's done, the muscle build up, the fitness work um, coming back in and hopefully, hopefully, you know, he can make a, a difference because we can't play Saka and much nearly every game mm. at some point we are going to need to rest one or both of them and also you know we talk about injuries suspensions I think Saka's on four yellow cards so he gets one more yellow card and he misses the next game so let's just hope he doesn't get a, a yellow card in the next three or four games because we've got Newcastle tomorrow Tuesday then we've got Oxford Spurs I want Oxford then Spurs then Manchester United yeah um so, yeah, no one, you know, we don't want Saka to miss any of those games. Um, maybe the Oxford I, one, I isn't it? There'd to... probably be heavy rotation, maybe, for the Oxford one. I yeah, would, I, 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 would very like much, I, I, would, I would like to think that Saka doesn't 
play that game. Or if he does, he comes on for the last, I don't know, 10 minutes or whatever. Um, I, I, I really don't want him to start that game. Uh, Oxford 14th in League One at the moment. I was surprised. I didn't think Emil has played any games this season. He, he's played four games. His last was 16 minutes against Man United on the 4th of September. Still sunny then. <laughs> yes. I mean, talking about the next uh, couple of games, Dan. Um, so, yeah. Newcastle on Tuesday, tomorrow. Newcastle, no snatches. They were third in the league. So, and I think what I like about Newcastle is the fact that they, at the moment, they're the richest club in the world. They've got <laughs> stupid money and they haven't really spent any money. And look where they are. I mean, credit must go to their manager, um, Eddie Howe. He's bought Lord wisely. Fauntleroy. Yeah, he's bought <laughs> wisely. And, and they're in their sort of, if you're comparing them to Man City, they're in their sort of Adebayor. Robinho stage where they haven't really bought anybody and until they start buying sensible like that's when they become a fool so um, as as good as they are I mean you've got to take your hat off to Eddie Howe and say you've kind of done well without spending huge amounts of money I, I watched them play the other day um, they were lucky to get the, the, that nil-nil but up until that point I've been seeing a lot of clips of them and I've been watching the highlights and match of the day and they're playing some really nice football I mean, nothing would be nothing would make it more happier that for me that we finished at the end of the league, that Arsenal finished first and Newcastle finished in second place. Because obviously, as you all know, uh, on this channel, my family ties with Newcastle, so I'm really excited about the game tomorrow because this is the one where at Newcastle it's going to be. It's been a while now where Newcastle could actually really give us a test, you know. So it's going to be quite a nervy one uh, for me tomorrow, and I can't wait to see what happens. But you've got to take your hats off to little Lord Fauntleroy. The, the work that he's done up there at Newcastle, the players, that some of the players that they've brought in, I mean, they, I mean they're doing really well. And people like Isaac aren't even playing at the moment, you know, who they sort of made a big investment on to help them get up the table. And they're still managing to, to carve points out, you know, by having some of their best players still, still being absent. So I'm looking forward to that one very much. They so play tomorrow. decent football, yeah. which is important. But Almiron's goal, yeah. I saw a goal by Almiron. It was a really, yeah. it reminded me of an Arsenal goal. It was a really good team move and he finished off the move. And I was like, oh, it kind of reminds me a little bit like, um, a little bit like Arsenal play. Where's that come from? Because as we all know, I love a bit of MLS. When it was at, um, Atlanta, Atlanta, yeah. no, Atlanta. He was he was one of the best players in MLS. And then in his last four seasons, he scored nine Premier League goals. This season, he's got nine in sixteen. So there, I, I put their season down to two things. First of all, getting in Nick Pope, magnificent goalkeeper, and the second thing, having um, Almiron banging in all those goals. And plus, you've got Callum Wilson, who's who's doing bits up fun, but and Bruno Gummy Bears, he's doing quite well. Actually, Bruno Gummy Bears, the man who, who had Arsenal written all over it until Newcastle went. Um, just just keep writing zeros on the on the end of that wage, and then until you get bored, until your pen runs out, and then that's how much you'll be on a week. But yeah, those three players, they are absolutely magnificent. And if you look at the spine of their team, it's, it's going to be Pope, Gummy Bears, and then it's going to be Almiron, and then in the future it will be um, Isaac, who's got two goals in three games. That's all he's played all season. Because Chris Woods, or Chris Woods, isn't anything special. Callum Wilson is is having a a, a, a really good 
um, a time in his career, but he isn't the future. For and the other one they've got, isn't it? San, San Maximum is also very good for them, right? He's, uh, he's much like um, uh, Adam um, Dame Traore at, at Wolves. He, I think he flatters to deceive at times. You, you look at him and you go, wow, what a player. Oh, there he's gone. He's gone full Theo Walcott. And they, <laughs> there's a lot of that. Big thighs running at the speed of light. At the end, when I was looking here, he's got one goal in 11 games this season. Although wow. This doesn't show assists, but... No, but they, remember they used to rely on the like of John Joe Shelby Cole, and and he would be the player to uh, that would get you out of trouble whenever anything went wrong. Or uh, well, that's it really. Other than that, they didn't have anyone, did they? It was just the, the, the uh, Voldemort-looking weirdo midfield banging goals in from the halfway line. Andy Carroll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he was good, and also they got Joe Willock as well. You know, he's um, yeah. Yeah. doing decent things up in Newcastle as well. So like, I don't think it's going to be an easy game tomorrow, even though we are playing at home. I think we are going to have to be at our best because every every team that we play now is going to want to be the team to try and break Arsenal's streak. I mean, even when we played Man United, and I still don't know how we lost that game. Well, I do know referee mistakes. That's how we lost that game. But, um, you know, everyone's going to want to come to the Emirates and, you know, try and beat us and, of course, Newcastle, who are playing good football, even with Kieran Trippier playing now, he's sort of, you know, the person who kind of drives them on as well. So tomorrow, Tuesday, is not going to be any, you know, they're not just going to turn up and they're not going to be a team to sit back and defend against us. They're going to want to attack us because they're going to want to win a game because every team, even though, um, they're, I guess, us, Manchester City and, Man U, um, and Newcastle, Although they're not won't be saying it publicly, I guarantee Newcastle behind the scenes were thinking we can if people slip up like the likes of you know um, Manchester City, the likes of Chelsea who are nowhere near, the likes of Man United, the likes of Spurs, we can get into the Champions League here and we may sneak, maybe winning this. Everyone keeps saying, oh, they're going to slip up. All I'm going to say is Leicester 2016. Exactly. Everyone thought that they, everyone thought they were going to slip up. Everyone thought, are oh, they going to uh, break up? Except for John. Uh, John always said, "You never know." Chris was like, "No, they're going to go after Christmas. Not they're going to slip after the international break. Not they're going to go down." And it never happened. So, you know, stranger things have happened. Like a hundred percent. I'm not saying Newcastle are going to win the league because I don't. In my heart of hearts, I don't think they are. However, could they get into the top three? Maybe. You never know. Like it's, I think this league is very open this season. I mean, Chelsea, you see when they're in eighth, something like that. Liverpool are what fifteen? Was it fifteen points, Danny, behind Arsenal as it stands? I um, am Arsenal got a game in hand. There you go, sir. Well, wow. Yeah, the thirteen point. Uh, no, so more than that. Yeah, fifteen points are behind us. Um, so, and we have a game in hand. So. Do you know what I mean? Like this league at the moment it is so wide, and you know, there's so long to go. And yeah, teams can make up. I still, you know, in my heart of hearts, if I ask me today, do I think Arsenal are going to win the league? My answer is no. But that's my honest opinion. It's not just because I don't want to be um, optimistic about Arsenal and get my hopes up. It's just that I know what Man City can do, and when they want to go on a 15, 16 game unbeaten run, they can do it. Um, no, we're going to win it, Carl. There are no complete sides in the Premier League other than Arsenal. 
Man City have gone from a Man City fan rang up Radio Five the other day and talked to those two dipshits, uh, Sutton and, and the Welsh moron, and said, uh, "We, I think it was a Man City fan, or maybe they made the point to the Man City fan. No, it was a Man City fan, and he said, "We have won the title all these years by not playing a stri- an out and out striker, and then everyone else would score the goals. Now we've got one person scoring all the goals." And, and hardly anyone else scoring goals. And that reminded me of Arsenal under Ian Wright and with Yvonne Ray. If those two didn't score the goals, we're in trouble. All the best sides have players scoring from all of the positions. How many teams in the Premier League have got centre-backs like Gabriel who scores goals? Who's got their Newcastle have got Almer on? We've got Erdegaard. But we are the only, I think, complete team where everybody can score goals Everybody can track back. Everybody can do their defending. We don't have a, a diamond in the team. We don't have an Abumyang. We don't have an Urzel. We don't have. We're not carrying people like his lordship, Lord Ram, uh, Ramsey, or, or any of these other players. And we are. Everybody works for everybody else. And Man City don't have that. They have now got give the ball to Haaland. And if, if Haaland doesn't do it, and he is going to get injured, we saw in the last game he went down early, holding his foot. He is he's he's struggling with an injury, like like Kane does with that um, dodgy foot. And there are no other complete teams that are playing the perfect game, and we are doing that. And then Man City fans said, "Yeah, but we got to play Arsenal home and away." Yeah, that's only if you beat us home and away, which isn't a given. That's still only six points. We're still a point ahead of you. And another something else that has snuck up on us, Carl, which I hadn't seen. Look at our goal difference: twenty-six. How? I mean, how many times in the recent seasons have we had a goal difference of twenty-six at the end of the season? <laughs> I was just going to say that. Go on. I was just going to say that. Yeah, that is a healthy goal difference, which we haven't seen for years. So well, that's you, uh, a good thing. And as somebody just mentioned about the season 2015, I think it might have been Danny. I've been talking about that a lot. You know, back in that in that in that season, uh, we were the only team that beat Leicester twice, and Home and away they they still, they still won the league. And I and I use that reference that everyone says, "Oh, we got to play City, we got to play City." I th- I think that we could at least get a draw out of one of those games, at yeah. least. And I'm being conservative when I say that. I'm trying to be kind. So even if they should beat us twice, it doesn't mean it's going to upset our season. No, I, I, I agree. And I don't think we can put our season down to the Manchester City game because oh. they've, you know, they've dropped points. They dropped points at home to Everton. Like, Everton are dog shit at the moment. So, like, there's there's games where Man City are going to drop points. You know, things are rosy for Arsenal at the moment. There are games that, unfortunately, we are going to drop points at. And I think as long as we bounce back, just like we lost to Manchester United and we bounce back straight we away. We the best team. And we're better than them. And, we, you know, and that's what we need to do. We can't go on, you know, Danny has got a, um, a graphic. I don't think about it now, Danny. Um, we, he, he's gone back a few seasons. And if you look at, you know, from 95 all the way up to this season, um, if we take the last maybe 10 years, We've always lost games in clusters. There's yeah. always games where we've lost like two or three games at a time and we win and then we lose. Like that, that's rut needs to stop. I mean, if you think last season, um, for audio listeners, I'll try and explain it to you. But um, last season, the last, uh, from game number 27, we lost one, lost, 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 one, 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 
lost, lost one. And that's what kind of ruined our season for not getting into the top four. Uh, season before that, um, which the season we don't really talk about, the unmentionable season, lost the, lost the first three games. One, three, drawn two, lost one, three, lost one, 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 lost two. You know, Jimmy, it's always clusters that we do season before that when we finish eighth. One, two, lost one. One, one, lost two. One, one, lost one. Drawn one, lost three. Drawn one, lost one. That period was a horrible period when we didn't win a game for like seven games. You know, it's... And that's what I think needs to get out of us, Stan. Like, that's what we need to change our mentality where if we do lose a game, all right, cool. We've lost that game. We move on. We carry on and we go and get the win for the next game. But if you notice this season, we haven't had those clusters of losses like we did last season. And I believe that the reason behind that is, is that the, the players have come of age. You know, they were a little bit more immature last season and therefore we were inconsistent. And I said it quite a lot last season. Like, why are we so inconsistent? We lose one and then that's it now. You look at the next two games, we're probably going to lose them as well. And we have to really fight to get the attitude back into the team to get back onto winning terms. We've, we seem to have been able to have, have surpassed that this season. And I believe it's because a lot of our, a lot of our players are now just that little bit more mature. They had to go through last season as a unit and they've learned a lot from it and they're not and, and they're not making those same mistakes this season. And I believe it's just maturity that's playing that part and helping to make us more consistent. Just looking at the I've got the the, the spread. If anyone ever wants this spreadsheet, let me know because I'm constantly adding to it. Someone on Twitter, I'll give you a little nod here. Um, who is it? It is somebody called uh uh, Gavin Don, if you're watching, Gavin, Gunner Gav 89 he says, Danny, I think it would be even better if you used a golden or yellow colour to show when the league was won that season. Um, just an idea, so I'm going to try and give that a go. But as we can see, Carl, this season we've won 14 Premier League games. In 2019-20, we only won 14 Premier League games. Wow. That's that's how good we are, and it's it's frightening how how yeah. amazing that we are. It just shows that you know how far we've come and how far we've progressed. And you know, I don't want to coin this phrase. You know, the, the board and the club have trusted Mikel Arteta's process, and the process is coming to fruition. You know, it's, it's not stopped because we haven't finished. You know, there's bigger things. You know, I think anyone now, the the, the aim is to get the Champions League, and I don't think there's an Arsenal fan around the world who wouldn't say the minimum for us this season was always the Champions League. And anything above that is a bonus. It really, really is. I think, you know, we missed out by the Champions League last season, which we really shouldn't have. And now, you know, we've had a brilliant start. What I've done was to fall off. And once we secure Champions League football, which I think that's what we need to do, anything we do above that, you know, is, is brilliant for the team. And, you know, long may it continue because... Getting to Champions League opens up so much more opportunities for us. You know, we're not playing on this Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. We need to get into it. And again, it attracts more players. People, I mean, yes, we've attracted some really good players playing in the Europa League, but the opportunities will be there in the Champions League where people are like, oh, Arsenal done really well last season and they're in the Champions League. I would rather go to them than go to, I don't know, A&R, Chelsea, whoever. Um, in Europe but I agree that 
you know, if we can fight for this title, then sure we have to. That hundred percent. What that Phil Macker says, um, you know, if we can fight for the title, by all means, do it hundred percent. But for me, Champions League has to be the bare minimum um, for us to achieve, and anything over that is a hundred percent a bonus. So hopefully feel- we can um, do that. How are we going to do in the, you know, it's been so long about football, I can't remember who we're playing in the Europa League. Mm-hmm. No, it's not been drawn, has it? That's why I can't remember. Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it's the lower league teams, isn't it? Because it's the whoever, Man oh, United yeah, and stage. Barcelona and... They've got the to play extra game, game, isn't it, that we don't yeah. have to play? Yeah. Good. And we're out of the League Cup as well. Less games. Lovely. Yeah, and we should should be Oxford, barring a monumental upset. But I I don't mind um, a little cup run. Like I said, I don't want to see majority of the first teams shouldn't play against Oxford. It should be the likes um, of Marquinhos playing and Nelson Turner, Nelson. What if he's fit? Nelson, it'd be interesting to see who they play up front because we don't have uh, yeah. a striker. So it'd be yeah, interesting yeah. to see who that is. Um, El Nene playing midfield with Vieira. Like, I, I'm sure they still play a few. Who playing in midfield teams. with Vieira? El, El Nene. Nene. Boom. Oh, <laughs> there he is, you beautiful fuzzy head. He's like a very own Ellis Mill. Slightly tanned, curly hair, cheeky grin. I still Can't love the big. It's the there. big ones at the back with the bigger heads in the black kits. That I like. We don't. We don't <laughs> talk about them, Stan. We've had complaints. They <laughs> can't. But get yeah. Um, so yeah, um, that's it's, it's brilliant that what we're doing at the moment, and we need to improve on this. And how do you improve, Stan? By buying more players. Um, we've been linked with quite a few players, as you would, because. Obviously, January transfer window is now open. I guess all agents are trying to tout their players all over the world. And what's the yeah. best way to sell your player? Link them with Arsenal. But someone <laughs> we've been linked, <laughs> someone we've been linked heavily with is um, how do you pronounce his name? Mudrick. 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 Uh, he's, uh, he, he's just called him the Duck. Mudrick. So apparently no, today no. we've gone in with an. No, I'm not standing. Uh, apparently today we've gone with an improved bid. Uh, I think it's a 50 million plus add-ons which Shakhtar Donetsk are considering. Um, Stan, how do you feel about him? Because obviously he's a he's a big talent and you know a lot of teams have been talking about him around Europe and he clearly wants to come to us because he's been twerking for us for God knows how long. Um, he's been showing us his backside. And <laughs> you know we've been we've just been we've been looking, but we haven't touched yet. But clearly we are interested in him. Um, is he someone that you feel we can get over the line? I probably get over the line quite quickly because surely um, um, the fees have not fees have been agreed, but definitely personal terms probably have already been agreed. Mm. So here's my take on this whole Mudrick situation. And the best way for me to explain it is to take you all the way back to when we brought in Nicola Pepe. Because when that happened and I started to hear rumours of, we're going to sign Nicola Pepe, we're going to sign Nicola Pepe. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I go, yeah, we're going to sign him for 72 million. And I'm like, who is Nicola Pepe? And then, <laughs> you know, he, he hadn't signed yet. And then with, after a couple of weeks, and he had, it, as, as the deal was being done, 
you know, getting nearer. I found myself getting caught up in it and going, we're signing Nicola Pepe for 72 million. We're signing him. We're signing, and I'm thinking, I'm like, who is Nicola Pepe? It's a lot of money, though, but he must be good. And we all know how that turned out. So fast forward now to this Mudrick deal. I ain't going to get caught out like that again because I don't know who this guy is. I don't watch Ukrainian League. You no. know, there's been some flashes, you know, flashes in the Champions League notwithstanding. I don't know anything about this guy. And other than he's got them, nice hair. He's got, he's got nice hair. And other than, you know, okay, I get it. It's not, it's not my money. You know, I shouldn't be bothered. But, you know, as a concerned fan, sometimes you look at the amount and think, well, could that money be allocated in other places? Could it be spent in different ways? But Let's give it all to Saka to stay. It's fifty million <laughs> a no. lifetime. But you know, I'm I'm also at a stage where I believe in our manager. The manager has my faith, as does Edu. Obviously, they know more about this guy than 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 I do, and have done all of the. You know, they've probably you know made sure that they've done their due diligence in him. But I have to admit, I am a little bit concerned about the amount that we could be we could be spending on this guy. And usually sometimes with a player, you know, usually with a player, it's like, oh, they could be asking us for 10 million more than what, what, what he's worth. And you're like, just give it to them. Just bring him in. We know this guy. Just give him the money. It doesn't seem like that this time around. It seems a little bit more cautious. So I'm going to trust the club. I hope that we don't, you know, really break the bank on this one. And whatever we do, I just hope it comes good. No, I have to agree. Um I very much, I mean, yeah, I've seen a few flashes like you, Stan, in the Champions League. That's the only place I've really seen him play. And, you know, anyone on the highlight reel can look good. Um, Oleg Nuzhny could probably look good in the highlight reel. Um, so, you know, as you, I'm very cautious. But a lot of the club, like you said, Stan, and I truly believe this as well, I think they've done their due diligence. I don't think this is the Arsenal of old who just bring in random players um, on a whim, I think they would have seen him, spoken about him, looked at him, looked at him again, um, and then gone for him. So, you know, for me, uh, again, this word comes up, I trust them, what they're doing. Um, you know, just like, it's, it kind of reminds me of Ben White. When we brought in Ben White, everyone was like, 50 million. I was yeah. one of them as yeah. well. I was like, 50 mil for yeah, Ben White? Like, come on, no way is he worth 50 mil. And now you're looking at it, and 50 mil seems to steal for Ben White. Um, I was like that so, when we brought in Ramsdale. I was like, really? I like Leno, yeah. but look how that turned <laughs> out. Yeah, so you're hoping that Arsenal have done, you know, all their work in Juju, just like you said, Stan. And, you know, he comes in and, you know, he I know he plays in a wing and hopefully gives Saka a break. Um, it may even mean a positional change for Martinelli. He may play on the left because I think he can play left and right. So, you know, I don't think he must know that he's not coming in to dislodge Saka, uh, dislodge Saka out of the squad. Because no, no, he's, he's left, isn't he? He's more predominantly a left winger rather than a right winger. So I think if anybody's position is, he's going to be concerned about that position, would be Martinelli. But even then, I don't think, you know, he's going to come and kick Martinelli out of the squad. So he must be told that, you know, if you do come, you're going to have to earn your stripes. You're going to have to come in and fight for your place. And like I said, I don't know if it's a position or change of Martinelli, if they're going to try and push him up front. Because if, mm. um, if Gabriel Jesus is out for a period of time, again, Eddie and Ketia can't play every single no. game. So, you know, is he coming in and Martinelli plays up front? You know, this is all stuff that obviously Arteta has probably thought about, worked out in his head and, 
you know, is thinking about. So for me, it, it's, I think it's someone that we will get over the line. And like you, I'm very cautiously optimistic about this player because, again, I'm not expecting him to hit the ground running and come in Patrick on his first game. He's going to need to adjust to the Premier League because the Premier League is a different kettle of fish. It's more physical, it's faster. So, you know, I don't want people, if we do get him over the line, people thinking, oh, we wasted blah, blah, million on him. Like, like you said, Stan, it's not my money. I don't care. Um, do you but, want some stats on him, Carl? Go for it, Daniel. <clears throat> Everyone can pretend they know who he is then. Uh, he is the 5th of Jan, 20, 2001. So he's going to be 22 in three days, which is nice. If uh, capture Ukraine, eight and no goals. His best position is left wing, but he is left, right-footed and plays on the left wing. So it's the kind of opposite to uh, to Pepe. But someone did a compilation of all of the goals that Pepe scored. He looks decent. And for, for the Ukraine, 8-0, and under-21s, Ukraine, 16-3, and three, the under-19s, 11-5. and five. Now, this is the bit I didn't realise. You go and have a look at him this season. In the yeah. Champions League, he's played six games, three two, three goals, two assists. Um, the two assists were against Leipzig, but um, most of that stuff's against Leipzig and Celtic. And in the UEFA Nations League for Ukraine, he's done nothing, just played a lot of games. But in the the, the um, Ukrainian Premier League, he has uh, played uh, played started eleven games, played twelve, and he has scored four, five, six, seven goals and got uh, six assists. But well, three of those assists were against one team when they beat them six one. So when you take everything into consideration this season, eighteen goals, eighteen games, ten goals, eight assists, and five yellow cards and one red. So that's Champions League and the uh, Ukrainian Premier League, but <clears throat> it, is, it reminds me a little bit of a gap, gap co in the 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 goals and assists. So I know nothing about him. No, um, and maybe it's good that people don't know nothing about him because it's an unknown um, quality, and he's coming in, people not knowing, and there's no high expectation. Problem is with the fee. He's always going to com- be compared to that thing, you know. He, he... I'm just going to say, I'm worried that he's going to. I don't want him to come in as our new record signing uh, because mm. you know what it's going to be like. You know, if he does anything good in the papers, it'd be Arsenal's record signing just scored a hat trick. If he does anything bad, <laughs> Arsenal's record signing misses sitters. You know what I mean? Another pepper. And I don't want him to have that burden on him to come over to hit the ground running. I don't want to have that added weight on him. Yeah, no, I agree. Um... Definitely, but obviously, you know, he's not when he comes. If he comes here, he's not going to be sort of home al- alone because he's going to have Zinchenko hey, with yeah, him yeah, as well. Course, and if yeah. they play on that side as well, you know, they could have a, a brilliant link up. So obviously, Zinchenko must be talking to him, you know, saying, "Oh, when you come over here, you know, I look after you. I'll take you around. You probably get a house near me." So that's a good connection as well. Like I think yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I don't think so. It's not just him we've been linked with uh, today that I've seen. I've seen us being linked with McAllister from Brighton, Calcedo from Brighton. I've seen us being linked with so many other players. I've, uh, there's talk of us looking at a left-footed centre-back as well. I'm not sure that Arteta has full faith in Gabriel. You know, he's a good player, but us, you know, he's always got that one ricket in him which is which is sad. Um, Stan, have you heard of us going for any other player 
Well, the left-footed centre-back, I think the one that, uh, that's been talked about is uh, Evan and Dicker from Eintracht, whose contract is coming up. And I think that he'd probably be more likely to come in to, to take up the spot that Pablo Mari left. I think Mikel Arteta wants to have two centre-backs that can compete and rotate. As you say, you know, they can't play every game, but he wants us uh, two left-footed centre-backs. So I don't think it's it, it's to oust Gabriel Megalegs. It's probably just to give him a bit more competition and allow for another left-footer in there. F- Jao Felix is the other one, isn't it, that they're talking about? And I mean... Could we? No. Could is it going to be? A, could it be feasible that we could maybe bring in a Mudrick and then do a deal for Jao Felix, which would be a loan deal with no option to buy with an eight? And I think they're talking about an eight million fee. But also, Atletico Madrid are interested in uh, Cedric. So you know, I know it's not football manager, but is there a way to get off Cedric to Atletico to get that eight million fee reduced because you know they'd have to pay for Cedric. So, and then we still probably have enough change to bring in a third player if we can maybe work it that way. Because I think that we definitely need to have somebody to cover in the mid, in the midfield in that Thomas Partey area. Because if we lose Thomas Partey, to Thomas Partey, as far as I'm concerned, it could be curtains for our season. No, I agree with you, Stan. I think Thomas Partey is so integral to us; it's, it's unreal. And um, I. Again, do need think that a midfielder is one hundred percent. Oh dear listeners, um, yeah. <laughs> um, if those who are audio listeners, Avon just put in the chat. Cedric will get us a one pound discount uh, for Felix. Um, I still think staying in the midfield is a position that we really, really need. Um, because as much as I love El Nene, I don't think he's he's not it. Um, and we all know that Partey is partial to an injury. So, yeah, I'm hoping that there's something working on behind the scenes that no one knows about. And then just out of the blue, Arsenal sign a, a, a centre midfielder that we don't know about. So, hopefully... But that midfield triforce that we've got is not going to be easy to get into because Xhaka, Partey, Erdegaard, all playing the best football of their of their lives at the moment, and mm. somebody's going to come in. And uh, we've seen El Nenny come on to see against. I think it's against West Ham. Came on, ran over, and then the game ended. You got to think. Well, he got the win bonus, but this, he's obviously not the the future for Arsenal playing in that position or, or in any position. I'm not having a fit. I'm just moving my foot because it hurts. I mean, the only play. I mean, the only sign like an extension was it last game in the season. Um, last season, so it must have been like, look, just save us another year, help us out, and then you'll go. Um, as for Jao Felix, he's not really doing, I mean, he's not really doing much in Spain. I know he's falling out with like, um, the hierarchy at Atletico and he's falling out. Simeone, because Simeone doesn't like to play football, and and Jao Felix was was it at Benfica, but he's another one who's come in on a huge transfer. Was it 106 million or something? No, 100. 140 million euros or pounds, I think it was. Wow. Or 120, maybe. Wow. Not dough. But that things like Simeone won't let him cross the halfway line, right? He's a very adventurous player, but he, <laughs> he kind of feels like he's been, um, you know, nullified a little bit by Simeone over there. And, you know, it's like a, it's like having a, getting a stallion and, let, and getting him in a box room in an apartment and saying, right, there you go, stretch your legs in there, boy. You know, and I think maybe someone like Felix under Mikel Arteta 
could really be something. You know, he he is a talent. Plus, also as well, very versatile in the amount of amount of positions that he can play in comfortably. True, and he's got wonderful hair. There's always that. I mean, we do need some decent hair. I mean, Bob's doing his best with his. He's gone back to his home in Simpsons when he, he went from bald to having hair, and it looks magnificent. I was, I was surprised the other day. It looked like he was coming on. I saw him. I was like, he almost had an afro. I thought, where's all that hair come from? <laughs> I'll tell you what, that turkey chip has done him wonders. I'm telling you, like, he must be thanking um, the people, or whoever did his, because Gabrielle didn't take too well. But, um, yeah, he's done well. But uh, in regards to Jal Felix, um, I think that, that loan fee is astronomical and I can't see anybody paying it. So Atletico, I think as this, as the January transfer window goes on, I think they'll probably lower it. And I think if you threw them in and said, okay, do you know what? Give us a loan deal and we'll on obligation to buy for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 million at the end of the season, then they'll probably take that, but they'd have to lower that loan fee because um, like Mr. Boblek said, 15 million loan no, fee, it's a loan million. fee. It's eight million. No, but he, they were they were talking. Oh, you mean the wages as well? The wages, yeah, is like, yeah, yeah. They yeah, were yeah, talking okay. nonsense. So, like, yeah. that can't happen. And I don't think there's a club, even Chelsea, as stupid as they are, are not going to play that. Um, pay that. So, uh, I have I no idea. A two a, a club stupid enough to pay is probably Man United. Like, they're dumb enough to pay. So, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they said, "Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do it." Like, no worries, and everyone gets excited, and then. They still end up fifth, so it makes no difference. Um, Danny, what do you think are the key areas that we need in this January transfer window? Knowing that we're not going to go massive, of course we're not. Uh, we'll probably wait till the summer. But what do you feel that we need to get done this January? It's going to have to be someone who can score goals up front as a loan because you can't rely on Eddie until the middle to the end of uh, March. That's too much. That's way too much to ask from uh, from him, someone who's not been a regular. And uh, when the goals dry up, then we, we are going to be in trouble unless we maybe play Martinelli up front. But then we need someone who, um, Big Bob, We unfortunately, we all have Big Bob holding. But when he comes on, we occasionally, he'll make a brilliant um, press the Big Bob holding emergency button and he'll come on and do something good. He's not getting enough games. And as a centre-back, you need to be playing more often than that. And I don't think Arteta trusts him. Uh, sometimes there's a, he struggles to keep up with the pace of play when he comes on. So maybe a centre-back. But the most important one is someone who can do the Xhaka party role. And that some maybe... I mean, people say Tielemans, but every time I've seen Tielemans, I don't like him. I don't think he's accurate. His highlight video looks really good. That he does everything that we need. But when I watch him play the whole game... Like when he played us this season, he, he ended up getting subbed off. He was rubbish. So it, most important is going to be the DM to cover for those two. Um, maybe someone who's young, energetic, willing to sit on the sidelines as a come on as a sub and play cup games for for a year, eighteen months. Because uh, Jacker's nearly thirty now, and uh, Party's getting on a bit. I think he's getting on a bit. Bloody hell, he's just over half my age. So. And then someone to score goals because Eddie is going to dry up sooner or later. And as much as I love Martinelli, I, I really don't want to see him anywhere other than playing on the left because him on the left and Saka on the right, that is, that's a dream most of the time. No, I agree. And um, Mr. Brubbock just said as well in the chat, 
uh, Fernand Torres. You know, he's gone yeah. to Barcelona again, hasn't done much and on astronomical wages and Barcelona need to free up wages. He's obviously worked with Mikel Arteta at Manchester City. Uh, that could be uh, something that we could get over the line maybe with a loan. Obviously, if it's not astronomical fee for wages. I think, you know, I think we're trusting what Arsenal are doing at the moment. There are obviously people that, you know, we want to bring in, people that we will bring in. I feel, I still think that Mudrick will get over the line. Um, there's been too much noise about it. And if it doesn't get over the line, I'll be very, very shocked just because, you know, this guy is literally almost on his hands and knees begging to come to Arsenal. Um, so Do you think he's like I'm the gonna... new Draxler? <laughs> every, every every transfer window would be Mudrick. <laughs> God, Jackstar, my, I still. Do you know what Jackstar should have been at Arsenal? He's he's he was the one I wanted to come. But I don't know if you've seen to, uh, on Twitter, Stan. Um, Mudrick would put out something on Instagram of him uh, working out in a gym, and some Arsenal fan has decided that he's in London because. The gym equipment that he's working out on can that. only get done in the UK and he's wearing white slippers that you only find in hotels. So <laughs> I'll tell you what. And I also said that the, I said the exit on the door was written in English, not Ukrainian. And then, and then the guy <laughs> underneath, right, he, he zoomed into the picture and showed a picture of the fire alarm and goes, yeah, that's definitely a... And he read out like this suit has a B7105 British standard <laughs> fire alarm. So yeah, he's not in... I was like, man, these guys are turning into like Columbo. Has anybody checked with the DVLA to see if anyone's got the duck nut license plate? (laughs) Arsenal fans could find Maddie McCann, I'm telling you. If if she was going to sign for Arsenal ladies, I'm telling you now, Arsenal fans could find her because these Arsenal fans are absolutely hilarious. And it is funny, like, the lengths that people go. I'm sure I'm really surprised that someone hasn't um, put on flight radar to see, like, any planes leaving the Ukraine coming over to um, London in the past... 24 hours but trust me you know that will happen very very shortly um so yeah it's just funny look um we're going to take some questions now from listeners danny i'm hopefully that you've um and dear listeners if you do have any questions put them in the chat now um because we are pressing on move time we have two go on danny read them out do you know the duck has already played for arsenal arsenal too late he was on loan from shakhtar who the Duck. When has he played? He played for a team called Arsenal Tula, I think it is, uh, on loan from Shakhtar. So he's already played for the Arsenal once. Bring him, bring him home. Uh, I don't want him. To his, uh, anyway, we've moved on from that. Right, we've only got one question. Come on, you lazy freeloading scumbags. Get questions in. I mean, look, for God's sake, we've got a question from Phil. That's how much the barrel we're scraping. Sai has got a question. Uh, Carl? It's sad to see how Eddie has to prove himself every match. Our fans can't support our own players, morons. Who should we replace him with? <laughs> There's this guy in France, Danny and Stan, yeah. if you heard from me, he plays for this club in, like, in the centre of Paris. Um, you know, he had a decent World Cup. I Is he a red card like liability? That. A diver? Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think he's a diver, but... Um, he can score two penalties in one game, unlike certain people who mm. play on the white side of North London. Um, mm. Yeah, if we're going to replace Eddie, there's surely the only person to replace him with is Mbappe. Like, that's the only person that who really can lift up his boots. And let's all face it, he's going to be leaving Paris Saint-Germain 
if not uh, in the summer, very, very shortly. And when we get back into Champions League, surely he's going to want to come to Arsenal. I mean, where else is he going to want to go? Well, they're going to weigh him in for a 500 grand a week. Though. That's the thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? That's, this, that's a lot of cheddar to get that young man over at Arsenal, you know? A lot of a lot of cheddar. But, I mean, just cheddar looking at the question... Just looking, just looking at the, the, the question there. It's like I see on Twitter the other day where someone tweeted out, where are all the Eddie haters? I hate that. I hate when people use the word haters. I sunk about it. It, just, it. it fucking triggers me. But where are all the haters now? Look at him. And I'm like, I thought to myself, well... We are allowed to, you know, we, as fans, we all talk. And if players are going through a, a bad run of form and not putting the ball in the back of the net, they're going to be discussed. It doesn't mean that we fucking hate them. I don't hate Eddie. He's one of our own. I want him to come good. Um, but then the question kind of flips itself and says, well, who should we replace him with? So it's a bit of a, you know, we're saying that we should be supporting Eddie here and our fans can't support him and that we're morons. But then who should we go and replace him with? I don't know who to replace Eddie with. Maybe a Jonathan David. Maybe we've got a replacement for Eddie, but he's out on loan. And when he comes back, like William Saliba did when he went out on loan, he'll come back and show us something. And he's scoring goals in France, isn't he? Like, yes. He's, he's definitely scoring a lot of goals. And Klasnach just scored two in two in one of those games. He got man of the match. That says all you need to know about League 1. I mean, League 1 and League 1 in this country have the same name for a reason, people. Levels. It's all about Levels. Question for you, Stan, from Phil. Good luck with this. Phil says, he only has one serious point per show. Hopefully this is it. If we win the title, how much of an acceleration will it be in terms of the quality of potential new players? I think he spunked his load for the the rest of the year on this one. Well, when that that interview with uh, uh, Mikel Arteta and Jamie, (laughs) when he said to him, like, when you came into Arsenal, did you have a plan? He said, yeah, we had a five-year plan. And he said, well, where are you on that plan? Behind or in front or where you want it to be? He said, we're we're ahead. So you've got to think that, I think what's going on behind the scenes at Arsenal, they went over there to America. They went to see the owners to give them an update. They've said, look, this is where we told you we, we, we should be now. We're miles ahead. You need to overdraw. You need to dip into the money that you've got maybe tucked away for set for, for the summer. And you need to release those funds now because we're probably never going to get as close as we are right now. And the Cronkies, they've got a winning attitude at the moment. All of their franchises, all of their teams are doing well in their respective sports. And they've probably got a winning itch at the moment. And I think that you'll see that the funds will be forthcoming. Forthcoming, says Stan. There you go. Do you anything nice for Christmas, Stan? I did actually. Got a few really? things. I got a very nice watch from the missus. Got a oh. few more action figures as well to add to my collection. Never growing and, up. Uh, Good. Yep, yep. Never growing up. And uh, lots of chocolates and sweets and some tracksuit bottoms and things like that. So I've done very well. Thank you. Can't complain. Yes. Lovely. All right. Question from Matt Roberts here, women's football expert. If anybody has any questions about women's football, go find Matt on the Twitter because he will help you. Um, he says, Carl, what would be the best match for Saliba and Saka to both be suspended for? Both need one yellow card. And the yellow cards aren't wiped out till halfway through the season, which is going to be what we played now, 16, 17, 18, 19. So uh, after the Man United game, which is three games away, then all the yellows and uh, accounts, not cancelled, but they um, it's I'm not honest. five and a ban. Well, then you're hoping that they make it through because um, we've got a way to where a way to... T- so we play Newcastle, 
hopefully they get through that. Um, you don't get a, you don't miss a game for the FA Cup anymore. Mm. Um, so it'd be the Tottenham game and Man United game. So <sighs> let's be very honest. If I'm in my heart of hearts, Saliba is getting a yellow card in the Spurs game. So mm-hmm. I think he misses the yellow. You know, let's be very honest with Harry Kane diving and Son diving, and it's a derby. It's a way mistimed challenges. If I'm, you know, if you're looking. You know, in heart of hearts, he's definitely getting a yellow card, I think, in that Spurs game. So I think Saliba misses the Man United game at home. Um, hopefully, Saka can get through the Newcastle game, get through the Spurs game without getting a yellow card. And if he gets if he gets a yellow card in the Man United game, then I don't care because obviously it's wiped out, you said, isn't it? Um, or we still probably might miss the Everton game. Um, but I think. I honestly think, yeah, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough. But I do think Saliba gets a yellow card in the Spurs game and misses the Man United game. So that means, obviously, maybe White centre-back and Tommy Yasu right-back or maybe bring Bob Holden in. Um, who knows? Who knows uh, what happens? But it's going to be tough to lose any of those players that are integral to our to our starting lineup because they're all so important. But the reason why you have a squad is for times like this. So I'm not overly worried because I do think that, you know, other players can come in, maybe not do the, the exact job that the uh, the starting eleven do, but they can still work hard for us. Jolly good. Stan, Mr. Boblex asks, if you could take one player from any top side in the league, who would it be? Hmm. I mean, well, you can answer this one as well, Carl. It's a good one. You've got your Mbappe's out there, but to try and be more on a a realistic sense, um, maybe a player like Frankie de Jong, you know, he's at a club where they're looking to to, to bring money in. Players aren't settled at the moment and looking at the positions that we need to to, to fill. Somebody like Frankie de Jong coming into our midfield and being available for our midfield, I think would be a great attribute. Carl, got anyone? Um, I would take two or many from um from Real Madrid. Good job. I think he's such a good central midfielder, and I think he would fit so well into Arsenal's midfield. So he's the person that I would definitely take. And I don't know, which is uh, always helpful. All right, question for you, Carl from Avon, not Teddington. When Thomas Partey gets injured, do we think we can play Zinchenko at the base of the midfield? And I'll add to that, like he does for Ukraine. Um, I think you're more likely to see um, Sambi come in because he hasn't really had a, a game for a very long time, which I think he'll probably obviously play against Oxford. Um I thought he was out on loan. I've just had a look. He's been on the bench as an unused sub for the last seven games. Yeah, and I think that that must be winding him up. Um, It must be completely. But, you know, not changing it. Even the fact that he came, El Nene came on for um, Partey against Brighton and not Sambi. Again, you know, I think it speaks volumes. So I don't know if Sambi is long of Arsenal, I don't know if he's going to remain at Arsenal for very for much longer because if you're picking uh, a person like El Nene who's got a one year contract and you know Sambi's meant to be quote unquote the future and he can't get on, 
then I think that says a lot for me. But Sambi is obviously the obvious choice, or maybe El Nene. Would I play Sinchenko there? Yes, he could play there. He 100% could play there. We haven't seen him play there yet. Um, because you could play Tierney there, but can Tierney play 90 minutes? That's another thing because you've got to protect him as well. And that's uh, um, something we've got to look at. But for me, the obvious choice has to be Sambi Lokonga. Right. Jerobi has asked, uh, I think Jerobi said he subscribed on Twitch with his Twitch Prime, but it hasn't shown us. But if he said he did, then he did, because he's got the little thing next to his name. So thank you very much, Jerobi, old bean. Uh, he says, anyone think Eddie continues, Stan, to improve at his current rate and become our starting striker? It's now... I, I always have that kind of mentality about these sort of when when a player comes in, it's it's theirs to lose now. You know, if if he's flying and and Gabriel, uh, you know, when Gabriel becomes fit, you can't just switch him out. It has to be earned, right? If Eddie's doing the business and he and 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 we're flying, it's up to Gabriel Jesus to try and work hard and be ready to take his chance when Eddie has to be rotated or booked or injured or what have you. So it's Eddie's to lose. Jolly good. I agree with that. But um, no, he's not going to be the uh, to be our starting striker. It's just not going to happen. Doesn't have the confidence. The joie de vivre, which is, nobody says in France. Joie de vivre, there you go. Of someone who knows that he's the man. Sai uh, asks this for you, Carl. When we win the title, which we will, will Pep leave Premier League out of shame or will he become assistant to Arteta? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he really was... I mean, we all know he was the brains of the operation mm. at Man City. Just be honest, he was Arteta's coin boy. But no, he just signed a new contract, hasn't he? So he ain't going to be leaving. But you just know for a fact that Manchester City are going to be spending... If they don't win it this season, they're going to be spending ridiculous amounts of money. Again, to try and retain, try and get their title back because they, they believe it's theirs. But... You know, it's all healthy competition, isn't it? The master surpassing the student. It's just the headline is written, isn't it? Um, if we do win the league, so I hope we do, and that's the headline: master surpasses student. That would indeed be a beautiful thing. Get rid of that one. And a question for Stan from some bloke you've probably never heard of. I don't even know his name from some podcast, uh, the Arsenal mm. Fan Circle. Never heard of it. Uh, sounds dodgy. Yeah. Uh, he says, does Harry Kane have a ring, have to ring ahead for a penalty appointment? That's More than harsh. likely. It's a disgrace that likely. bloke is stat padding his way to breaking the England goal scoring record ahead of the other. Massive stat padding fake, which was Rooney. But at least Rooney won stuff, not just the Audi Cup. Uh huh. So uh, there we go. Made the most of that question. Good. So, oh, I've already had that out there. Get rid of that. And it looks like the final question from Matt Roberts for you, Carl. Lone Sambi Lakonga, we et non? No, because we don't have enough strength in depth. Um, I think he does need to go out. I 100% does. And do you know what I'd love him to go? Is to uh, Burnley to work with... Um, company. Um, company. I'd love him Doing to go there, there because he... Yeah, and I think him and company would get the best out of him, give him confidence. But just at this moment in time, we just do not have any strength in depth. And 
if we get rid of say that Thomas Partey gets injured, that leaves us with El Nene in midfield, like as a direct replacement. And yes, you can move people around, possibly play Ben White in midfield, possibly play uh, Zinchenko in midfield. But yeah, if we had enough players, then I'd say yes, hundred percent go and loan him, and I'd, that's where I'd love him to go to Burnley. But have you have you noticed when we've been talking about you know what would we do in the midfield if we had to change things around? That no one, none of us have said. Uh, I've looked at the option of moving Granite Xhaka back into a deeper position. That's not even been mooted, right? <laughs> no, because that's, that's not his position anymore. Like he's a box to box midfielder shown. now. Yeah, he's uh He's shown out that we, I mean I didn't Arteta say in that interview with Van Carragher where he sat down with um, Jacques and said you need to start scoring more goals and if you don't start scoring more goals I will get someone who can do it. That's the kick up the backside that you need that a manager needs to give yes. a player the and carrot and the stick. Yeah, and he's delivered like um, he's he's getting forward and he's creating more chances and having more shots on goal. So yeah, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. So yeah, I I hopefully we can bring some players in in this January transfer window that can kick us on and go on and do brilliant things uh, in the in the league because I think this is an absolutely brilliant opportunity. This is our best opportunity since 2016 to go and win the to yes. go and win the league. Um, you know, you can't be 15 points ahead of Liverpool. You know, who has at the beginning of this season, they were title favourites as uh, along with Manchester City. We're seven points ahead of Manchester City right now, who are the, the favourites for the title. So, you know, if we just keep doing the stuff that we keep doing, and yeah, you know what? We are, let's be very honest, between now and the end of this season, are we going to lose another game? Of course we are. We are going to yes. lose another game. But it's how you come back from that game. As long as you don't have that cluster of losses, then, yeah, I think we'll do well. Um, Stan, do you want to have a final word before we close the show? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of people online saying, well, you know, there's a lot more work to do. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the moment. Enjoying it now and enjoying the wins now, it doesn't mean that you're being haughty and pig-headed to think that you're going to win it all. But after every game, you should be... I feel nice after every game. I mean, I've started going back to the pub to watch to watch games. It's with much the, like with making the love to a beautiful lady. You have to enjoy it while you can. Exactly, because you never know the next one that comes along might look like the back end of a bus. So, a Swiss know. Tony there for you from the fast show. So Not yeah, I'm, I'm I'm extremely happy with the progress that we're making, and I've I've, and I've said that, that I think the only thing that can stop us from taking the big prize this season is a lack of depth. And we're now in an area of the season where we're able to do something about that. We're able to bring in bodies. So. I'm just going to sit back, watch what happens in this in this window, and then again, that's going to give us a, a, a more of an idea of where we think we can get to. Because, like you just said a moment ago, Carl, about looking at teams like Liverpool, who are supposed to be title contenders, you know, we were all looking at this season and seeing have we got enough to even get into the Champions League? Can we do that? You know, are we going to end up with the Europa League again, or can we make it back to the big table? Now that looks like it's a given, Champions League. We're now looking to bigger and better things. So happy days and long may it last. And it's great to be back on uh, a Burkhart Wonderland with you guys. And um, I hope everyone has gets everything that they wish for for 2023. I want a helicopter oh, well, and a skateboard. To go where, Danny? I want a jetpack. On my ass, probably. <laughs> I want the sun to get here. I want to go live somewhere warm.
Where, what would you do in a hot country? If you were to go to Jamaica, what would you do? You can't get... Well, you, maybe you can get Premier League over there. sand. No, Danny yeah, would do that bloke. He'd be going around every day and going, it's fucking hell, it's too hot. It's too hot. Exactly. <laughs> when it was 40 degrees over summer. here, Danny, exactly. When it's 40 degrees over here, didn't you complain then? Yes. And you're complaining now it's cold? Yes. Okay. There's a pattern uh, forming there. <laughs> there. There definitely is. Um... <laughs> Everyone, thank you for listening. We know it's been a long time since we've done a show and we are going to get more consistent with it. Um, because, every, do you know what? Festive season and the World Cup, everyone's just been all over their place. Um, everyone's had their different lives. But we are going to get back to it. We are, next show will hopefully be next Monday, I believe. Daniel, I won't be on it because I will be working night shifts, uh, real night shifts, unlike Ellis, where he says he's working night shifts. And he doesn't no. really do any work. He puts Sit in the back of an ambulance, banked oh, into the rubber does. gloves. <laughs> and I can't say what I want to say because Danny told me off that uh, we're not allowed to say. Oh, I've had a look. I've had a look, and it's it's fine because it's only the first eight seconds. And no, apparently YouTube have changed their analytics, so if there's any swearing in the video, they can demonetize us. Every video we've ever done has been full of swearing, but then I think it may just be the first 30 seconds. So all the stuff Jason did, that's all been demonetized, been put in the back garden and shot and buried in a shallow grave. But but I will be doing a preview show tomorrow. So it'll be Stan and uh, Deke will be doing the preview and the post-game shows of me as usual. I don't know which ones are yet. I mean, not that that one. I'm going to the pub, mate. No, not that one, not a specific one, but in general. Uh, yes, because you're around to the late night ones because it's not late night there. And I'm thinking of doing a limited series called Arsenal Transfer Bullshit. And then just to be half an hour of me going to um, the news now and then linking, go and have a look at all the individual articles on who Arsenal have been linked with. And then when I find something and I read it, that I will flash up on screen. Bullshit! <laughs> and I should do that for half an hour. Just me saying bullshit. So, cheers for hosting tonight, Carl. No worries, Daniel. Stan, thank you for coming in. Uh, Daniel's uh, coming in last half an hour. Brilliant. You've done better than Josh has done all season and much better than that paramedic Ellis uh, has done for the last three years. Um, Scumbag. No, Ellis, he is a scumbag. But Ellis he's got sore nipples, though. He's been breastfeeding uh, Tallulah. Yes, he works uh, very, very hard. Um, but, yes, we will be back, hopefully... Uh, with a preview show, uh, post-game show, and also the next pod should be on Monday if uh, Chris can get out of bed or stop crying that France lost the World Cup. And I want to say this again, everyone, France lost the World Cup. (laughs) Um, This has been a Burger Wonderland. Uh, Thank you for listening, dear listeners. Uh, Give us a thumbs up. Give us a like on any platform that you listen on. It helps us lots. Uh, And thank you very much. Take care and bye-bye. And always remember, hashtag Lovely. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see him at him. So when you see him in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>